0: Let's open our Bibles this morning. I'm going to have a few comments to make, but we'll go ahead and begin with, a, uh, with reading God's Word this morning. John chapter 5 is where we're going to begin, 5th uh, chapter, book of John, and uh, we're going to spend a few minutes there this morning. You know, listening this morning to the uh, life of George Mueller, uh, such a humbling experience just listening to that. We look at the world today and we see the needs that's out there so great. Uh, I began to f- reflect back, and been about 38 years ago since I was sitting where you're sitting. Uh, hard to believe for a, a 40-year-old man uh, to, to, to think back that far, but uh, you'll get that in a minute. But, uh, but we're good to, glad to be here today and just see what God's doing. You know, the world is changing, but the need isn't. Same need we saw back with George Mueller is the same need we still have today. I want us to think about that this morning. And we look at John chapter 5, we'll read a few verses here. So we have a word of prayer this morning. The Bible says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you today for your blessings in our lives. Lord, we thank you now as we look back on this week of midterms. Uh, We look forward to the rest of the semester. Lord, I pray that you would use each and every one of us now. And Father, in this hour that we're here, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to focus on that which you would have us to do. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of serving you. For it's your name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Midterm is always an exciting thing. You begin to look back and you realize this week is now finished, uh, at least finished for those that passed the tests. Uh, Those that didn't, they may have a little more work ahead of them. But uh, the rest of us, we look back on it, realize the semester is now half over. And uh, we begin begin to look forward and it'll just be a few weeks and we'll be ending up this semester and going into the next year. You know, life is moving on, it's moving on at a very rapid pace. The need that's out there is a great need. And I want to spend a few minutes thinking about uh, what we have in our life. You begin to think about our spiritual life. Our spiritual life began with a new birth. I grew up in Indiana. And my mom and dad were saved when I was a a young child. Uh, Really, all I ever knew was a Christian home. The only thing I ever knew was a a good church. Uh, My dad was always active in everything. Uh, When I was a young boy, he became a deacon and began to serve in the church. Uh, You could always count on the Collins family to be there, no matter what was going on. We were always there. We were always helping. Uh, when, When I was 14 years of age, my dad was called into the ministry, and we moved down to the into Texas, and my dad began to uh, go to Bible college and begin to get his life directed into the ministry. While we are in Bible college, I had the opportunity to go down into the field of Mexico. And we headed down to the field of Mexico on two or three different occasions. Uh, one particular summer, I spent the summer working with a missionary and just helping him, just doing whatever, uh, he, wa- whatever he desired to do, and-, and I was there helping him at that point. And as we uh, spent that summer working and seeing the need that was out there, the missionary was preaching to us one morning, and and, uh, as he's preaching, he's talking about the great need that's out there, the many villages and towns, many areas where the gospel had not been. And as he was preaching, he, he just simply said, you know, these people, they don't desire somebody great. They just desire somebody with a heart. They don't desire some great man of God to come in there. Basically, what they want is just somebody that would take the gospel to them. That's when God got a hold of my heart. Take the gospel to those that don't have the gospel. You know, the world out there is a needy area. Down in Sinaloa, which is the last area we were at before we moved toward the United States, they're basically in the state of war today. Uh, just a lot of violence going on, a lot of things happening. Schools shut down today and begin to look at the need that's out to realize the need is in every direction. As we begin to think about God dealing in our hearts. And when I was a young man of 16 years of age, I was an introvert and uh, did not like to speak before people at all. Um, when God called me, uh, truthfully, I thought he had made a mistake. And uh, my discussion was with God was somewhat like this. I said, Lord, if you're going to call me, you're going to have to make a preacher out of me. I'm not going to be a a daddy, uh, mama called and daddy sent, as I'd heard of other men. But God, you're going to have to do something in my life. What we realize is God's not desiring our abilities. He's desiring our dependency. God desires someone that will just simply allow Him to work through them. So today as we begin to look at this portion of Scripture, I want to spend a few minutes talking about what we're looking at here today. What we realize is, number one, we see there is a certain man there in verse number five. Verse number five says, And a certain man was there. So we realize there was a certain man. Then we also realized there was a certain question that he was going to ask to that certain man. And we realize that Jesus said in verse number 6, "Wilt thou be made whole? Now, this morning I want to spend a few minutes thinking about that question. And as I think about that question, first of all, I realize that question was maybe a little bit odd in several ways. Number one, I want to realize the direction of that question I also want to realize the wording of that question. As he chose that wording, "Wilt thou be made whole? He didn't use the words, would you like to be healed? Although he realized that's what is referred to in that word. But his wording was to be made whole, to be made complete, to be made a man that is functioning again. And I want to spend a few minutes thinking about that this evening. If you're taking notes, uh, number one, we're going to talk about the crowd. There in verse number uh, three of our, of our scripture says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. I realize that the first thing we realize is that Jesus, in uh, our letter A, Jesus was centered around the need. You know, Jesus was always functioning and always going around where that need was. Jesus chose to be where the need was. And as he was there that day, he was looking out, and we realized he was looking at the need that's out there. You know, we look at, if we move back to chapter number 4, we'd find out in verse number 4, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. He found a lady there, a certain woman, that needed a touch from him, and he chose to go that direction to meet with her. Verse number 46 says there was a certain nobleman who was sick. Realize he chose to go where a nobleman was, where somebody, they needed to hear about him. You know, Jesus was centered and concerned with the need. John chapter 6 says, Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company he was concerned about the ones that were there. Mark chapter 10 he said he heard the blind man Bartimaeus and as he was listening to him, as he was calling out, as he was looking for mercy on his life, Jesus was there and paying attention to it. Luke chapter 5 we see where he healed the paralyzed man that was dropped down through the roof and he looked at him and he saw the need. Jesus was always around and always concerned of those that had need. Matthew chapter 9 we realize that Jesus, he was also concerned about the children and the, the ones coming in. Hey, let's not bother Jesus with the little children. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. So realize that Jesus now, he was concerned and he always centered around the need that was there. You know, we also realize Jesus resists the haughty. You know, as we begin to think about Jesus working in our life, what he's desiring is one to be available, one to be dependent, one that's desiring for God to do something in them that only he can do. We realize that God gives grace to the humble, but he also resists the proud. Realize that God is looking for the one that desires me to him. Jesus listened to the prayer of the publican. He rejected the prayer of the Pharisee. Jesus could have gone past the pool that day. He could have gone another way into Jerusalem, but he decided to go where the need was. Now, folks, I want us to realize as we're wrapping up another semester and working our way through it, I want us to realize that Jesus now has a desire, and the desire is to get his word to the world that's out there. Jesus could have gone another way. He chose to go in the direction he was. So in letter A was Jesus was centered around the need. Letter B Jesus was conscious of the need. He was conscious of the need. He begins to specify what he was looking at. The Bible says he saw the impotent folk. But when we begin to think about who that impotent folk was, what it was that was out there, he begins to specify it a little bit. We realize that he talked about the blind. You know, without Christ, we realize that the blind cannot see. Without Christ, we cannot have any hope of salvation. As we begin to look at our lives, and now we're in Bible college, it's a few short years, for some of a few short months, we'll be stepping out into the world and out into the need that's out there. We need to realize the people that are out there that are blind without direction, they cannot see. John chapter 9 says one thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I I see. Folks, we realize that we need to see what's out there. As we look at the world today, we need to realize the world that is out there. Next week, we're going to be beginning in another week or two, beginning our missions conference, the focus that's out there. We need to realize Jesus was moved with compassion for the world that's out there. No matter what our direction should be, no matter where our calling is, no matter the area we go into, folks, we need a vision for the world that's out there. The people that do not know Christ as Savior, they cannot see. He all not, not only talked about the blind, but he also talk about, talked about the halt. Now, what is the halt? Well, the halt are the lame, the ones that are not able to walk. You know, the world is large. No matter where you go, there's a great need that's out there. And people that are not able to go, they're not able to walk on their own. They're not able to find Christ on their own. We not only see they talked about the blind and the halt, but he also talked about the withered. Now, what is the withered? We realize the withered is someone that has their, their, their members, their arm, their hand. But what we realize is they have a hand that does not function. Withered means a hand that's not efficient. The mind may be clear, uh, the desire may be there, but the hand does not respond to what uh, to what is being pushed out there. So realize that we need we have so many out there that are not efficient. God has given us, and folks, we begin to look at the world today. We realize we need efficient men out there. So Jesus, He was centered around the need. Jesus was conscious of the need. Let her see as Jesus saw a certain man. Now, he looks at a certain man, kind of an interesting thing here, as he walks around, and first of all, he, desi- he desi- decides to go where the need is. But not only does he go where the need is, he focuses on one particular man. The question might arise, why that man? Why was he concerned about that man and not concerned about another man? Why was he desired to do that? We realize, folks, as we think about that, we need to realize God has a desire out there. And as he's going out, he's concerned about the individual. You know, many times we begin to look at at a group and begin to think of who we are as a group. The truth is, who are we as an individual? The individual is what will make the difference. The individual is what God will use in there. You know, in 1987, a young missionary family went into a small mountain town in the state of Chihuahua in the country of Mexico. Went into that particular town, which was the county seat of that area, a large county around that area, about 150 different towns and villages. No preachers were there. No gospels being shared. As we went into that city, in that small city, about 40,000 people, we began to realize the great need that was there. Uh, One particular evening, we were holding an evening meeting, getting ready to uh, to establish the work and the church we were going to start. And as I was there that evening and, and preaching to the people that were there, I asked a question. I said, who knows what a Bible is? And to my surprise, they did not know what a Bible was. They'd never heard of the word Bible before. An unreal thing, thinking just right across the border, people that didn't know who the Bible was. But you know, as we went into that area and began to preach, we began to find people that didn't know Christ. And now years later, I look back and I think about Lucelena, Helena, who went to be with our Lord a few years ago. She found Christ after we went there. Carlos and Valeriano, Francisco and Rodolfo, And many other that came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Magdalena, who's gone on ahead to be with our Lord. And Magdalena, who's also gone ahead to be with our Lord. And, And we begin to think about all these people that are out there. And we realize Jesus now, he's concerned with the individual. Young people, what God has for us is the world that's out there. You know, Isaiah made the, made the statement, Whom shall I see as he was listening? Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? Then said, I, here am I, send me. Isaiah said, Lord, I want you to use me. Isaiah, I want you to put me in that spot that you'd have me. Folks, we need to realize there's a crowd out there. A lot of people need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not only is this crowd here, but number two, we realize the condition. Verse number 5 says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Begin to look at the condition of that certain man that was there. In letter A, we realize he was in a hopeless condition. His condition was hopeless. You know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but fella, after 38 years, if you haven't made it into the water, you're probably not going to make it into the water. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you couldn't do it in your, re- in your youth, I doubt if you're going to do it in your age. So realize that although he was hopeful, although he was waiting there, we realize that his condition was a hopeless condition. Folks, we need to realize the, the words, a long time in that case. We see Jesus talking about it. Folks, we need to realize the world is a long time in that case. The gospel needs to be preached. The gospel needs to be sent. The men need to go. Why? Because they're in a, a hope, hopeless situation. So much need and so few men. So much need and so, f- so few women. Folks, we need to realize and open our eyes. As Jesus walked out there, he looked at a man. He was hopeless. We also realize in letter B, he was in a helpless condition. Verse number 7, we realize the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man to realize that not only was it hopeless it was also helpless he had nobody that would help him so as he was standing there and desiring to get into the water what he was lacking was someone to help him now there is some validity to that area when we look at the world today if the world does not get help the world will not hear We realize that God has chosen you and I in the foolishness of the preaching to save those that are lost. So as we look at the world today, realize that if man does not go, the gospel will not arrive. Now we also realize that wasn't God's only choice. God has the angels at his disposal. They're messengers. They've been used throughout all history. We realize that God has nature that's at his disposal. But His choice is you and I. Young people, I'm excited about that choice. God could have went right around us and probably had done a better job without us. But He chose to use us. Us that aren't worthy of being used, He desires to use so realize the man as he's there, and he's hopeless and now helpless, Realize that when the water was troubled, when the opportunity came, uh, he had no way of getting it. Now, folks, we realize the opportunity is here. You and I have the gospel. It's in our hands right now. We can go and tell somebody about Jesus at this moment. So we realize we're holding the hope for this helpless man. And then number C, realize he was also in a hindered condition. Not only was he hopeless and helpless, but he's also hindered. We see here in verse number seven says, While I am coming, another steppeth down before me. So he was hindered in his condition. We realize as the water began to move and he saw the water moving, he had hoped the water was going to move. He didn't have help to get into the water. But as he started to go that direction, then somebody always stepped in in front of him. He always missed his opportunity because somebody was hindering him. Young people, many times we live a life of a hindered life. Many times we have all the reasons why we can't do something, Or what is hindering us from doing something rather than answering to the call of what God would have us to do? So realize this man is looking at it, and he realized, I can't do it. And I'm reminded of many in uh, in the ministry of the years gone past, and one certain man that was in the city of Guerrero, Chihuahua, he was always hindered by somebody. And to this day, he's not serving the Lord. And, but he'd always want to do something. But he always wanted to do what somebody was already doing. And I'd always tell him now, that somebody's already doing that. And uh, we, we have another area over here. No, he didn't want to do that area until somebody stepped into that area. Then when somebody stepped into that area, then he'd want to do that area. What we realized is his desire was simply not to do anything, but make it sound like he wanted to do something. So realize this man, as he was there that day, he had something there. We went into the city of Los Mochis. I remember the first time I went into the city of Los Mochis. That was in 1992. I made a trip across there with my oldest son, Daniel, and and I preached a conference in a town outside of the city of Los Mochis, city of Los Mochis, city of about a half a million people, uh, villages around the city, and there were churches in those villages, however, there were no churches in the city of Los Mochis. So as I was preaching there outside of the city, I began to ask about the city, and that's what I found out, nothing was going on. We went into the city, spent a few few times visiting and and, uh, soul-winning in the city. We left out of that city with no church and no hope of a church in that area. I went back to Chihuahua where we were still working in the ministry there in the mountains and my heart burdened for the city of Los Mochis. Every missionary I would hear that is coming to Mexico, I'd let them know about the city of Los Mochis. Every Bible college I'd speak in, I'd speak to the young men about the city of Los Mochis. Now Los Mochis does not have the ideal climate. It's very hot. It's very humid. It's a difficult area in many aspects. And so therefore nobody ever went into the city Los Mochis. After 10 years of working in Guerrero, 2002, uh, God led in our heart that it was time to, uh, to turn the ministry over in Guerrero and then move on to the next area that God would have us to go. And Los Mochis was still on my heart. I'd been praying for Los Mochis. I'd been trying to get men to go to Los Mochis. Nobody would go to Los Mochis. And so after 2002, naturally God put us in as the answer to my own prayers for the city of Los Mochis. God began to bless, and Los Mochis was a city much different than the area of Guerrero. Guerrero was a very slow-moving ministry. People were very backward and just a hard area to get a church started. Los Mochis, for whatever reason, could be from the years of prayer, could be that the city was ripe at that moment, but as we went into that city, the people began to respond. Very common to go out soul winning, win an entire family. that would be there the very next Sunday in church, go right through discipleship and stay there and be in the church and God began to bless the work in Los Mochis. All those years nobody wanted to go to Los Mochis. Now now that we have a church started in Los Mochis there are quite a few wanting to go and get in on the act as well and and get something going there too. The truth is we need to realize that God has a place for you. And it's going to be a place that probably nobody else could reach. I began to look back at Guerrero. I had nobody standing in line to go to Guerrero. Nobody's still wanting to go to Guerrero. When in Los Mochis. I spent 10 years trying to get somebody there. Nobody went there. We need to realize that where God has for you, it's for you. We need to realize the importance of getting the gospel there. Folks, we need to realize God has something for us today. So we realize there was a crowd. We realize there's also a condition. Now, number three, I want to look at the next thing, and that is the concern. Verse number six, as we look at our scripture here, says, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time. In that case. I realize now Jesus is looking at him and he sees a concern. As he walked into this scene that day, he saw the great crowd that was out there. As he looked at that crowd, we realize he had concern for the one that was there. But then I want to realize now, he, he, has, he saw the condition out there, and I want to realize he also had the concern. First thing we notice here in letter A is the direction is important. The direction is important. Jesus had concern for him. We need to realize, folks, God is interested in you. He has a direction toward you this morning. Not the one beside you, but for you. Not the one in front of you, but for you. Folks, we need to realize that the need is out there, and who it's dependent on, it's dependent on you. Many times we have the idea that anybody can do it, and, the, and surely anybody could do it. Surely there are others more qualified and better than we. But the truth is, where God has chosen you, God wants you. We need to realize people are out there waiting on you. you know, God has a place that's very important. So the direction was important. Now I want to notice another thing in letter B, and the question was illogical. Now, as we look here in verse number 6, we realize in the latter part, Jesus says, "Wilt thou be made whole? Now I want us to realize the, this question, a very odd question. First of all, he goes into an area where there's great need. Everyone lying there, everybody waiting, has a need, a physical need in their life. And so when he looks at this particular man who'd been there for 38 years and he addresses him with the question, will thou be made whole? First of all, my immediate response is, obviously, he wants to be whole. Obviously, he was desiring to be be made whole. But we see Jesus now, as he knows his condition, as he knows what he wants, he's still putting the question out there for a response. Folks, God desires to to use your life. And the question this morning that I'm going to have for you is, will thou be made whole? What does that mean today? Well, that means for God to get a hold of your life, put you in the area of service that he has for you, enable you, equip you to make your life a whole life. Young people need to realize the large number that never find That whole life. I began to reflect back in my childhood and being a young man and God calling and seeing other men that God was also dealing with. I had a good friend of mine. He would win all of the uh, preacher boy contests. He was very good at preaching, very good at presenting, very good at, at laying out his message. But instead of going forward, he went backwards. And I look at his life today and it's not amounted for a whole lot. Why he wasn't made whole. I have another good friend and he got into doctrinal error. As he got into doctrinal error, his life began to go backwards. And he was another man that was great, could have been greatly used of God, had a lot of ability, a lot of vision, a lot of passion, but he lost it. He lost it due to going a different direction. So as we think about that question, Wilt thou be made whole? The answer today would be, obviously, I want to be made whole. Obviously, I want God to use me. We wouldn't be here at West Coast Baptist College today if, God, if we did not have that desire for God to use us. But the question, nonetheless, is very important. So we realize the direction was an important direction. The question was an illogical question. Letter C is the answer was Irrelevant. The answer was irrelevant. What we realize is he begins with excuses. His excuse was, I have no man. His excuse was, somebody is always in my way. Now, young people, want us to realize today that excuses are far easier than responsibility. It's far easier to explain why you're not doing something as to take the responsibility of doing something. It's far easier to say why this man is being blessed and this area is being blessed and begin to look at others instead of looking at what God would have in your life. That's what we see with this man. Instead of him taking the responsibility, we see him out now begin with excuses. As we think about those excuses, I also realize he never includes himself. As he talks about, I have no man. As he talks about, while I'm trying to get there, somebody's in front of me. He never says, maybe if I'd have been a little closer, I could have gotten in. Maybe if I'd have paid a little better attention, I could have done it. He never includes himself as part of the problem. Folks, many times that becomes our life. Oh, we want God to use us. Obviously, we want him to use us. We're here today because we want him to use us. We want Him to show us His direction and His area, but many times we struggle to just simply get down to the point of responsibility with that which God has for us. Many times we make all the excuses as to why not, and that's what I realize Him. His answers now are always excuses. But yet we look at the question? The question really was a quite simple question. Jesus came up and he said, he didn't say, now would you like me to help you get into the water? That's not what he asked. He asked the question, Wilt thou be made whole? He didn't come up and say, by the way, I'll get these guys out of your way so that the next time you can... No, his question was a very simple question. "Wilt thou be made whole? He didn't understand that question. He didn't answer that question. The answer to that question was a very simple question, a simple answer. The answer would have been, yes, I would like to be made whole. Or no, I don't want to be made whole. But the answer should have been a very simple answer, but instead, he made it difficult. Young people, many times in our lives, we make God's leading difficult. Rather than simply taking the next step, going the next direction, rather than simply being obedient to where God has placed us today, rather than having passion in what we're doing. By the way, folks, that's the thing that's lacking in the ministry today, passion. We've got plenty that want to get a job. We have few that have passion. We have many that want to knock doors. We have few that want to look for souls. Many times what we're lacking is, is the passion. So we realize here as he's standing there, rather than having a passion, rather than having, wanting to be made whole, we realize he starts with a lot of excuses. It's in his life. And so as he begins those excuses, we realize that, 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 he, was, that he was there. So we realize there was a great crowd. We realize the, concern, uh, the, the condition of that man. It was hopeless. We realize the concern that Christ has, has now. Last thing I want to look at here this morning is the cure. Number four is the cure. Verse number nine says, and immediately the man was made whole. You know, the cure in letter A, the cure was prompt. Jesus had mercy on him, even though he didn't understand. Jesus had mercy on him rather than answering the question. I'm the type of person, when I ask a question, I like the answer. In fact, my wife can attest to that and my children can attest to that. If I ever ask a question, try to run around it, that annoys me a little bit. And so if I were Jesus that day and I'd say, "Wilt thou be made whole? And he begins to talk about not getting help and somebody in front of me. I'd I'd be the type to say, well, you have a good day then. Jesus is merciful. Jesus gave him a cure even though he didn't deserve the cure. Folks, you need to realize today God has something great for you. You don't deserve it. They'll be far better than you in any area we go into. But God in His mercy, we see the cure that's there. We realize that God works in us for His glory. Philippians 2.13 says, "...for it is, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure." We realize that Jesus, now he desires to use you. So we realize the cure was prompt. Jesus came on the scene. Wilt thou be made whole? Stand up. And he takes care of the problem. Letter B, I realize that the cure enabled his potential. What do we see with this man now? First thing he does, he, he takes up his bed. Something he hadn't done in over 38 years. For 38 years, he was lying on his bed. And now for the first time, he could stand up and take up his bed. Young people need to realize, without God enabling us, we'll never get to the potential that he has for us. Folks, Jesus today desires to to use you. The world is in dire condition today. The news so bleak. The hope withering. But Jesus can give you the potential to do what you need. 1 Corinthians 1.27 But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Boy, I'm excited. I like that verse. If he were looking for just the wise, I wouldn't be in that. When he talks about the foolish, I can probably fit in there somewhere. Young people, the truth is, God wants to do through you what you'd never be able to do on your own. God has great things. You know, our inabilities can work for him. He chooses the base things. He chooses the things to confine. So we realize that he took up his bed. Next thing we notice is he walked. Now for 38 years, he had not been mobile. For 38 years, he'd not been been able to take a step. For 38 years, he'd not been able to do that. So we realize now he's now available. He now has has a, a potential that's in him. He has mobility. We have no idea what God can do with our life. If someone were to ask me when I was 16 years of age and God got a hold of my heart in a mountain village... Sleeping on the ground, having not showered for two or three days, God got a hold of my heart. What's God gonna do with your life? I had no idea. You have no idea what God can do with a yielded vessel, with, with what God can do to get the potential in there. Last thing I wanna look at and let her see the cure provided purpose. Provided purpose. Young people, there's one thing I want in my life. It's purpose. I don't want to just be spinning my wheels. I don't want to just be running circles. I want God to give me purpose in my life. We realize that he healed him on the Sabbath. And we understand a lot of things going on in that, but I just want to kind of point to this. He healed him on the day that was his day. He gave him purpose on his day. On the Sabbath now, he's walking. On the Sabbath, he has potential. On the Sabbath, he has ability. On the Sabbath, he's doing something. Folks, you need to realize that God has a purpose for your life. Right now, you're here in Bible college, and you're going to be studying more and taking more tests and more exams. You're going to go out soul winning next week, and... Probably still yet this week. Purpose. Purpose. What can God God do through you? Serving Him. Verse number 11. says, He answered them. Now we're talking about the Jews now begin to ask Him, What happened? Why are you doing this? Who told you to do this? Verse number 11. He answered them, He that made me whole... The same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Well, we realize also the testimony that was involved in his life. As he followed the Lord, he had a testimony. Young people, questions very simple. Wilt thou be made whole? I know we have all the reasons why we're not functioning like we, like we would like to. We have all the reasons why we're having a rough time right now and trying to pay college bills and trying to to pass the exams and just trying to function. We have all the reasons why not. But Jesus is simply asking, would you like to be made whole? I have a place for you. I want to use you. Don't lose your vision while you're preparing to have a vision. God desires to use you.